went to the front door of the residence and removed two more. Calmly, he put his hands in his pockets and walked back to the waiting SUV. Lying there felt pleasant, euphoric, but then it occurred to Kate that the light was gone. Shouldn't it be inside her head, too? She opened her eyes, and it was still gone. Did that mean the death sentence had been revoked or at least delayed? Whatever it meant, she decided that she was going down swinging. Next to her was a rake, its wooden handle thick and straight. Pushing up on all four, she crawled to the rear of the car, dragging the rake behind her. The fumes were completely suffocating. She peeled off one of her slippers with its thin rubber sole and crammed it into the tailpipe. She was familiar enough with cars to know that the obstruction alone wouldn't stop the engine, as the movies depicted, but would eventually be blown out by mounting pressure. So she stuck the rake's handle into the tailpipe, forcing the slipper even farther into the exhaust. Then she maneuvered the wooden shaft, finally wedging the steel raking tines against one of the patterned grooves in the overhead garage door, which was a foot and a half away. One of two things would happen now. Either the pressure would build up and kill the engine, or the rake would blow a hole in the door and provide fresh air. One or the other could save her. Of course, it was more likely that the handle of the rake would simply snap. She reached up and held the rake in place before crumpling to the floor to wait. Something with a sharp edge was underneath her. She realized it was a gardening trowel that had been knocked across the floor when she first fell. Inching closer to the garage door, she shoved it under the rubber cleat that sealed the entire length of the door and, using both hands, turned it up on edge to make a small triangular opening. Placing her mouth as close to it as possible, she breathed in the sweet, cold, late autumn air. Just before she passed out, her hand slipped off the rake, and she thought she heard the car's engine sputter and die. After climbing into the back seat of the SUV, the man in black nodded to the two men in the front that it was done. The driver in his early fifties was tall and slender, his suit expensive and American. His hair was full and carefully cut. His face might have been described as elegant if it weren't for the splayed, crooked nose which gave his appearance a vague warning of violence. He looked over at the man sitting next to him to see if he was satisfied. The passenger reached over and turned off the radio signal device that had jammed Kate's remote control door opener, the limited markings on it written in Cyrillic. He, too, was tall but powerfully built, and his age was difficult to estimate. He could have been in his fifties or in his sixties. His hands were thick and crisscrossed with dozens of thin white scars. His face was drawn and slightly exhausted, his eyes irreparably sad. Although his skin appeared a permanent gray, his lips were thick and an unusual shade of dark red. He looked back at the driver with eyes that never seemed to move from side to side. It was as if they were frozen in their sockets, making whomever he was talking to feel that turning away would be perceived as evasive, even when telling the truth. He searched the driver's face for any indication that he and his man hadn't been successful, and then leaned his head back on the headrest and closed his eyes. The SUV pulled away from the curb. Kate Bannon opened her eyes and wondered if she was dreaming again. Bob Lasker, the director of the FBI, sat next to her hospital bed. 
struggling to recall what had happened, she wasn't sure she really could. Am I dreaming? she asked loudly, almost as if trying to determine if she was actually awake. She went to scratch her nose, but then realized that an oxygen tube was pinching her nostrils. This is real, Kate, the director smiled warmly. You gave us a scare, though, but you're going to be all right. I remember being in the garage and not being able to get out. One of your neighbors was taking his dog for a late-night walk, and I guess in the cool air he smelled the exhaust from the opening you made. He dragged his owner closer, and then the guy broke in, dragged you out, and called 911. Any idea how you left your car on? She told him about being bought a drink and not feeling well, then waking up to find her car running and not being able to get out of the garage. I can't imagine doing that and then locking the car door with the keys.